Welcome to Inside Yorkshire with Susan, bringing you intriguing details about the lives of people here in Yorkshire. So, come on in and join us. Hello there, Susan here, Inside Yorkshire, and today we have the privilege of talking with uh, Julian Norton, the Yorkshire vet, famous for his television series and also author of several books. Good morning, Julian. Morning, Susan. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you so much for agreeing to this. I had actually hoped to meet you face to face, but we're currently in lockdown. So we're doing this remotely. The audio won't be quite up to the normal standard, but um, it's pretty good. And I can hear the birds singing in the background. You're out in your garden, aren't you? I am indeed. I'm sitting in, in a deck chair. Uh, I've got a cup of coffee in my hand. Uh, my little dog, Emmy, is wanting me to play ball, but that isn't going to happen because I'm talking to you. Uh, the birds are singing, the sky's blue, and it, it's altogether extremely pleasant. Yeah, so I hope the, the sound's going to be okay. Um, uh, but it's it's good. I have to say I'm very relaxed. It's the most relaxed podcast that I've ever recorded. Um if I can say that. I've, I've, this is also the first time I've been a guest on a podcast. Um, so another first for me. Um, I've been, I do, I've got my own podcast series actually that um, is called The Naked Vet. So I, I know a little bit about the sound issues and the process of, of making a podcast. So I can sympathize if you're worried about the, the quality of the sound. Yes, well, it's um, having we're doing this over Zoom, aren't we? Because uh, we can't meet up, and uh, yeah. turning off the video does make a difference. So um, we can't even see each other, which is a pity. But never mind. I'll send you a picture, Susan, if you want, and then you can um, you can see what it's like. But it's very pleasant, I have to say. That's that's good. Thank you very much on that. I do understand because I did see at the beginning of this that you also have pet rabbits in the garden, and they're fr- they're roaming freely at the moment. Yeah, it's a picture of animal, really paradise where I am. Um, there's one rabbit I can see over there called Luna. She's um, uh, uh, our first rabbit she's lovely she's very energetic um perky little ears um and she's sitting on the path to the vegetable garden um boris who's another rabbit i can see about 10 yards away sitting under a bush um boris is a rescue rabbit we, we found him and my wife found him uh, my wife's a vet and and in a practice where she works boris was brought in having been found by somebody lost uh, he didn't have any owners so he must have either been abandoned or escaped so we decided that we'd take him on as a, as a rescue it's just at the time when Luna's companions had, had actually sadly sadly died so Luna was looking for a friend and Boris was looking for a home and um and that's how Boris arrived he was a he, he's got floppy ears a rather large droopy white rabbit uh, but with somewhat of a belligerent personality at the time we, we had him he was entire um and that brought with it some of the, the problems that testosterone can bring he was quite aggressive to everybody despite this gentle slightly foppish appearance uh and the kids decided to call him uh, boris after <laughs> our eponymous prime minister um so boris is now castrated and he's settled in incredibly well and him and luna are brilliant friends that they love each other they're they're almost inseparable except when they're 
at different ends of the garden. The, the corona crisis that we're in uh, means that um, the kids are not at school and my wife's not working so much and I'm actually at home now. So when we're around to supervise, we let them out and they, they do roam free in the garden. And for, for all, most of us are under house arrest or similar. The rabbits, by contrast, have actually had more freedom than, than ever um, during the coronavirus uh, period. So um, it's um, an ill wind that blows nobody any good. <laughs> yes. And uh, so what's, um, what is the extent of the menagerie that you've got there then? You've got the little dog, the little terrier and the rabbits. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's it really. Three, two rabbits uh, and a Jack Russell, which traditionally should never be in the same airspace um jet russells and rabbits but emmy's a, a curious little character she's um actually very friendly with with the rabbits doesn't mind them doesn't have any um any notion of 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 attacking them she's obsessed by tennis balls and that's what she's doing now uh, but she's a lovely dog she's very energetic she's very faithful she comes with me mostly when i'm going to work and um and currently she wants me to play ball with her so i can't do that i'm afraid emmy i'm talking to Inside Yorkshire podcast. She's looking confused. Yes, she won't understand, I'm sure. No, the She doesn't um, understand podcasts. <laughs> no, I, I understand that we we um were talking about rabbits that I had had um quite an aggressive lop eared rabbit in the past who actually terrorized one of my cats. Um yeah. and, and in, yeah. in fact chased the cat up the hill, literally jumped over the wall and that followed the cat over the wall and chased the cat up the hillside <laughs> my my um t- well he was a neutered tom but my tomcat who was pretty good at catching wild rabbits was petrified of this lop-eared rabbit going up the hill but um <laughs> yeah they can they can be quite aggressive and, and certainly um boris before he was castrated was was quite difficult to deal with he, he was not friendly he was aggressive he stamped his feet and um I'm not saying he would have chased a cat up a hill, but he, he was not a very nice rabbit. But the benefit of of castrating uh, rabbits is is huge. The the testosterone hormone that um, that, that rabbits have in abundance um, can cause big uh, problems of aggression and things. Without it, then you've got a much more gentle, mild mannered rabbit. So um, if you were to have your time again with your cat chasing rabbit, then if you'd have castrated him, then that would have I think solved his problems. It would, and I know you're um, you were um, recommending that to anyone with um, a, a rabbit that's a bit too lively. Yeah, I mean nowadays veterinary advice is that that male rabbits um, are castrated. It, it saves a lot of um, behavioural problems, and it does allow obviously males and females to be together. They're much much better in social groups. Uh, female rabbits now we. we uh, would recommend be spayed as well. It's um, uh, a fiddly procedure. It was once regarded as as rather risky, but I think now vets are much more adept at doing that. And and a female rabbit that's spayed, it removes an awful lot of health problems. Um, they're very prone to getting ovarian or uterine cancer. So a spayed female rabbit is also a very healthy thing. So um, the veterinary advice from this podcast today is if you have a rabbit, get it neutered. And if you have one rabbit, don't have one rabbit, get two rabbits because they're much, much better uh, mm. with, a, with a friend. They're sociable creatures and um, they love company. So um, Boris and, and Luna, I can see them hopping around together. Um, they're not exactly holding hands because they can't. But uh, if they were, 
if there were kids, they'd be skipping, uh, skipping through the spring uh, meadows, <laughs> holding hands. Right now, to get to get back <laughs> to you, um, and I noted well from the the new book, um, you start off about um, talking about leaving Skulldale and the ch- mm. the, ch- the challenges that came with all of that. Um, yeah. I, I understand that um, quite a few people will have been confused as to why you left, and certainly by reading the book. I don't know if you've put it out on the on the new series or not, but reading the book, it puts it all into perspective. But that must have been really difficult for you, Julian, especially keeping it to you, uh, keeping it to yourself and not being able to tell clients while when it was about to happen. Exactly, yeah, it was a, a strange period, really, of my life. Um, and one that I never expected would would, would um, uh, transpire at all. Um, I'd, I'd been at, at Skeldale, well, most of my career, actually, since graduating. I had a um, a brief period when I was a locum vet in Scotland, and I had a, a year when I worked, uh, where my girlfriend uh, was working in the Cotswolds. But I'd, I'd pretty much been, been there for um, how long? Um, 1996 to... Uh, well, 21 years I've been there, um, and I was a, a, a junior partner. Um, and it, it, um, anyway, it transpired that that my um, <clears throat> the other partners were inclined to um, to sell the practice to a, a big chain of, of vets, um, which was in the end it was not something that I could really sort of um, do much to stop because of the situation that that, that we were in. Um, and I didn't really feel like that was the way that I wanted to, to go, either personally or, or, or with the practice. Um, and I didn't really want to stay working, you know, for a big, a big chain. Um, you know, they have their advantages in some ways, but I, I, it, it wasn't for me, really. I, I didn't feel comfortable with that. And I, I didn't think it was the right thing to do from, from the practice point of view either. Um, so that was what prompted me to, to leave. Um, and yeah, it was it was quite difficult. Well, very difficult, as 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 you'll read. I, I allude to it. Uh, well, more than allude to it, I suppose, in in um, various parts of of the book. Um, and it, it, I couldn't talk about it at the time because it was there was a lot of confidentiality um, issues. Uh, and I felt that it was a, a, a sort of interesting narrative that I wanted to sort of get off my chest I suppose um, and it provided a, a good thread for uh, another book it was interesting having changed practices I'm, I'm now working in, in Borough Bridge which is a, a very very traditional practice it's even more traditional than um, and more like Harriet's old practice than, than where I was working in Thirst which is ironic in some ways um, and, and moving there and starting again it was it was really interesting and it was challenging because I was an assistant again I was starting from scratch I couldn't find my way around I didn't know any of the farmers I didn't know how to use the computer system I didn't know you know I didn't know anything really I was like being a new graduate again a new vet and and that was really interesting um, situation to be in and I thought it it was an interesting way of providing a different angle to um, to some of the stories so it, it all lent itself really to to a book and and the next chapter seemed seemed apt. 
Yes, I think um, the emotional side of it as well, especially when you removed the, uh, you had to take your plaque down, didn't you? After a very long day, yeah. I understand. It must have been extremely emotional. Certainly even even reading it, it, it was emotional. Yeah, it was very emotional at the time. I mean, in actual fact, that last day I expected would be awful. Um, and it was awful, but th- th- it had been such a slow burn of a process and all the way through I think the guys um first came in in March um 2017 and that was the first time that discussion was was had about them buying the practice and and I knew instantly as soon as I saw them coming in the car park I just had this terrible sinking feeling in my in my in my body you know when you know something really bad's happened or something really bad is going to happen I just felt like that, and I just felt like I'd gone over a humpback bridge too quickly, um, and uh, and it started from there. So, so by the by the last day, a lot of the emotional um, sort of tra- trauma, if you like, had, had happened. Um, but yeah, I'd, as it, it, you, you're right, it's all described there in in you know fairly accurate detail. I, I, I didn't. There's a lot of things I couldn't talk about through confidentiality and things but it's a fairly frank account of, of what happened and that last day literally we got dropped off at Leeds where the solicitors were to sign the documents and um, came back on the train and I thought I needed to go and take my plaque off the, the door outside the front of the practice so uh, and I needed to collect my car because the car my car was left at the surgery so and it was snowing it was the last day of November in 2017 and it was snowing for some reason and I remember <laughs> unscrewing this plaque snow was falling and there was these these f- snowy footsteps as I walked away from the front door of the practice with my plaque in my hand and it was it was awful really it was such a um a, a, a big thing to to have to do um and and symbolized by this <laughs> these footsteps in the snow at the very end of what I felt was an era really yeah but we move on and, and it was difficult then mm. but you know I, I think you know I felt very strongly about the, the 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 process and I felt all the way through that you've got to stick to what you believe in um and and do things for the right reasons and whilst it was a difficult decision to make I, I knew it was the one that I had to make and I had to make these changes and, and, and move on. Um, and, and that's kind of what happens in life, isn't it? Things change and circumstances change and you have to adapt what you do to those changing circumstances. And, and, and I think it's how, how we adapt to, to changes that, you know, makes us better people really. Yes, definitely. And that sort of, that leads on then to the fact that um, the changes that we're, that we're all all appreciating at the moment i wonder how much the um coronavirus is impacting on what you're doing as a vet at present well yes it's a good 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 point really it's it's been quite difficult actually for um a lot of veterinary work um i mean the last few days have been incredibly busy um a lot of carving um is happening a lot of sheep are still lambing um so I mean, the last few days I've been busier than, than ever, really. Um, a couple of caesareans on cows, one in the middle of the night, prolapsed uteruses at two o'clock in the morning. Um, 
lambings late at night. And they go on regardless. Uh, the sheep doesn't know that there's a coronavirus clamp down. Um, and and you, so you've got to do that. Then you've got issues of of maintaining the sort of rules that were under on the farm. You, you, you know, you can't exactly lamb a sheep if there's no one to hold on to it because it runs off. Mm. Um, so I did a cesarean on a sheep the night before last. Um, and, you know, you do your best to maintain the social distancing that we're supposed to do at the moment but it's very hard to do that um with any real effect and you've got to then you know work out the priority it's, it's really difficult everybody's got different thoughts um uh individually about what's the right thing to do that we've got our responsibilities to the to the animal um to the client and you know the risks of being a meter and a half away from a farmer for 15 minutes whilst you lamb a sheep are re relatively small if you don't go and lamb the sheep the sheep dies and the lamb dies in a lot of pain so you, you have to do things and accept the fact that you do it to the best of your ability and there may be some some risks but you you, you um you have to make compromises and you have to make judgments all the time and i found it really interesting actually seeing how people different people different vets and different um farmers different farm animal clients are interpreting the covid situation um differently i mean for example some people you know see see a, a cat with with long nails as an urgent thing because they might grow in uh and clearly it isn't an emergency but if such time goes on as we can't see that cat to clip its nails for another three weeks and then they do grow in and start to cause pain and discomfort, it then is a, is a crisis. So you have, to, you have to do your best to work out what n cases need to be seen in the restrictions and what can be avoided. And it's, it's, it's interesting and, and full of challenges, but we'll get through it, um, as always we do. Um, it's not very easy at the moment. I, I fear that the social and economic implications will be massive if, if we're not careful. Um, but in a way, uh, you know, I'm kind of lucky that I can at least get out of the house and, and do some of my normal normal things, uh, which a lot of people can't do. And, and that's um, going to be pretty pretty difficult, I think, for, for them. Yes, I'm, I'm wondering really on the, the future of, of, um, of farming, how it's going to be affecting the farmers ongoing, because at present everything is I mean because I'm in the Dales and I'm next door to a farm it all seems I spoke to across across the um the wall to my neighbor who said nothing is different for him at present because it's a busy time he's lumming and looking after the sheep and usually he wouldn't really leave the the village or the surrounding area at this time when that's his priority but further down the line, when you'd normally have sheep sales and different things going on, I'm wondering just how we're going to deal with all of that. Uh, yeah, it'll be challenging. I mean, I think um, we've been here before in, in rural communities and the farming community in 2001 when Foot and Mouth was um, doing its, its havoc. Um, then things were worse. Um, and that was a similarly infectious virus well a lot more infectious to, to be fair um and it was you know the implications of that were, were huge and you know we got through that in the in the farming and, and rural communities and, and nationally 
Um, and I think in the long run, things will be fine. Um, and as you say, lots of farmers, if you're in the middle of a busy lambing time, um, a lot of farmers wouldn't perhaps have even left the farm anyway for the last um, three weeks. So they're, they're isolating themselves by necessity in, in some ways. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think once, you know, the cattle are turned out, some of the beef cattle, if they can get out um, to grass, then, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of isolating themselves um, as well. So I think it'll be okay. I think um, there's, there's lots of issues that were affecting everybody, but I think actually on the whole, the farming community are probably in a, a much better position than, than most actually. Oh, that's good and very encouraging to hear that. Now you're you're working your practice. You're still. I know you did say that you were you'd opened up a new small animal practice in Weatherby, but you're you're doing both, are you? You're still at Boroughbridge. Uh, yeah, I'm working at Boroughbridge um, at Ray Bean and Partners there um, full time, and that's you know that's my that's my job at the moment. Um, but I have um, with some friends. Um, helped to open up a practice in Weatherby called Sandbeck Veterinary Centre. It's a, a small animal practice and that's been open now, what, um, four, four months, I think. Um, and, and that was an opportunity that presented itself. And um, the main vet there is a, 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 someone that I used to work with at Thirsk and she's brilliant um, and lovely, compassionate and extremely knowledgeable. And the other clinical vet there, is a, a chap called Mark Harrison, who I was at school with. We, we were best mates, really, when we were 15, 16, 17. Um, and he used to have a big chain of practices in, in Wakefield um, that was very successful. And, um, and so it, it cropped up as an opportunity, really. And, and um, our practice had closed there. And we, uh, I heard about its closure. And we went to have a look. And, and, and it all sort of serendipitously fell into place, really. Um, and that's that's been going quite nicely. Hit a bit bit by the coronavirus situation, just when it was taking off uh, and starting to to really get going, we've sort of been a bit squashed. But um, it'll come back. It's it, we've designed the interior exactly how we want it to be, so it's got lots of um, really nice features to make it very um, uh, no intimidating factors for for the for the pets. Um, nice big airy waiting room. Um, big consulting rooms and and things like that. We, we've we've set it up um, exactly how we want it to be, and it's been nice to do that. Really, a lot of times when you end up in a practice, you, you're stuck with the, the situation that's there, um, and we're all in a in a similar situation. We're all pretty focused and um, want to do things really well. So it'd be nice to see how how that develops over the next um, next few months and next few years. Um, we've got a lot of um, a lot of hope for its potential. So will you work there on your your um, your days off from your other from the other practice? How will that work? Uh, uh, well, it depends a little bit on on a few things over the next few months. Um, but it, it, it's um, I, I think probably that'll be you know where where I end up um, uh, for, for the longer term. I've just recently had an operation on my back um, to screw some of the the bones together, and there's a <sighs> Oh dear. I'm getting a, I'm not getting old but I'm starting to to, to feel it really and um I, I just wonder whether how long I can keep doing the the farm animal side of mixed practice for mm. um so it comes to to everybody well it doesn't come to everybody but it it's um 
it's quite hard doing farm work to the level that we need to do it and I think maybe small animal practice might be the way to go for the for the future. Well certainly with all the uh, the physical side of it and the bending and everything else I guess it's probably not something that you'd want to do with a bad back. Exactly yes I mean I did um, two cesareans in the last few days on cows and sheep and you can't do it without bending over. Um, you're often doing it in the middle of the night when it's cold. Um, night before last, I was putting a prolapse uterus back into a cow at two o'clock in the morning. Um, and it is physical. It's it's hard and it's difficult to do with, yeah, if, you, if your body's not 100% functioning. So, um, so that that's, that's um, might be the way that things go. But we'll see. At the moment, I'm still... I'm still plodding on, but Burrowbridge is a busy practice and um, um, they need me there at the moment um, to do what I can. So I'll be there for the, for the, in the, in the meantime, at least, at least till later on this year. Mm, for the foreseeable future. What we're all really, yeah. what, what I'm sure a lot of your fans are really pleased with is the fact that although you changed um, locations, that you are still, are still involved with the Yorkshire Vet. I wonder how the, the new practice coped with the influx of um, TV cameras? <laughs> yeah, it's a good, a good question, actually. And, and um, it's something that I was a bit anxious about because, um, I mean, they've coped very well in short. Um, it, it's a, you know, and, and it was different for them because when we started making the Yorkshire Vet, um, I was at, at Thirsk, um, and they, they appeared, we all started this sort of weird television journey from the same place, i.e. From, from not knowing anything about it. So it was all very new. We were naive. It was an exciting thing to, 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 to see. We had no expectations that we'd still be going after, you know, five and a bit years. So we, we were all in it together, learning as we went. And then when I moved to Burbridge and I appeared, um, uh, with with a camera crew in tow, it was quite <laughs> difficult for them, I think, to start with. Um, but they've coped very well, and, and I have to say, everybody has been really helpful the, the staff and, and the clients. Um, because what's quite difficult is if somebody says, you know, no, I don't want to be on telly, that's fair enough if it's somebody who's worried about the, the cat and it's the owner of the cat. But it, it makes it quite difficult if some staff members definitely don't want to be filmed. Um, so, so it's been very helpful. Everybody's been really encouraging and um, and, and and normal and, and accepting of it. I think some have found it more of an exciting challenge than others. Some find it an inconvenience more than more than anything else. And at times, it, it definitely is that. But on the whole. The, the the practice and the town Burrowbridge I have to say since I've been there um, have been really welcoming to, to to me personally and and the the, the Yorkshire vet um, crew uh, as well so it's been I think a challenging time for them as well but uh, certainly one that's that's um, been entertaining and I think the the traditional style of the of the new the practice that you're now that you're working in in Burrowbridge I said that will um, that will really feature well on the on the program too, I'm sure. Well, exactly. I mean, this was this was a thing when I um, when I left um, 
Thursday, I, I presume that that would be the end of, of my involvement with any any of the telly um, stuff. But 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 in in the end, they, you know, they almost embraced it. Really, it was a, a another opportunity to bring in a different town, different people, a different part of Yorkshire. Um, still beautiful and picturesque, and still with quite a lot of farm work. Um, and, and rather than it being negative, that they, they sort of embraced it as a as a positive to open up the scope a little bit more. Uh, and then, of course, the practice was so so traditional, so old fashioned. Um, it, it was it, it was actually in many ways more of a traditional Harriet style practice than than Harriet's old practice. Um, so that that fitted fitted quite well. It brought it did bring sort of problems and challenges, but. But in the in the long run, I think it's actually worked out um, worked out quite well for the for the program. Yes, yes, I'm sure. I'm, I must actually tune in to you, as I say, having come from reading the books. It's um, it will be good. I need to uh, to watch some of your programs. You're on every, every Tuesday, is that right? At the moment, yeah. Um, so series ten, so series nine has just finished um, uh, at the beginning of April, and then. Uh, from what are we now? The middle of April onwards is when series ten will start, and I think there's, I think there's ten episodes in mm. in series ten. Um, so it'll it'll run on, and then when when things are back to normal, we're still filming for series eleven, and that usually um, would be on in the autumn. So, so it still seems popular. We're getting good mm. viewing figures at the moment. So um, are you still able to good. film at the moment then? Uh, no, so under the the coronavirus situation we've we've stopped filming because we've got to limit the um obviously the amount of potential contact people to you know person to person contact um so so at the moment no but um we'll be able to to get back to it i think it's um the teams are small, you know. There's there's a guy with a camera and a guy holding a, a, a sound uh, boom, so it's not like there's there's a whole lower load of people coming to to do the filming. It's fairly compact and it's quite m- minimally intrusive. Uh, I like to think. Mm. Um, so I think once relaxation of the rules come into play, then I'm hoping that we'll be able to to get going again. But it, it's quite it's a shame really because it's been so good over the last few weeks. Um, lambing time, lots of cows calving. It's been really busy, and um, they've, they've missed the chance to get some quite good stories, which is a shame. Yes, it's a it's a pity, and we've had such beautiful weather in the last uh, you know the last couple of weeks too at different times. Exactly, because it, from their point of view, they need to. It's been really interesting and fascinating to see how the the whole process goes um, of making the television program, but so many things need to be right to get the stories right so if it's windy for example the sound is compromised if it's raining the camera lens gets wet and it looks horrible because it's gray and and gloomy um so they're really desperate for sunny clear days um you know you need to get consent from the owners and sometimes that doesn't happen you need to get an interesting story with a nice outcome all these things that need to fall into place and a lot of them have been in place, as you say, with the recent good weather and all these um, lovely, cute lambs being born. Um, but no cameras to capture it, which is a, a shame. And glorious blue skies too in the in, in the Yorkshire Dales. It's been fabulous. Uh, 
Exactly, yeah. And they, they, obviously, you know, that's the other thing. I think part of the reason why the programme has been so successful is because the, the scenery is so great and um, Yorkshire as a, as, a, as a backdrop is, is always beautiful, but particularly so when the colours are vibrant and the, the grass is green and the skies are, are blue. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, it, it's a shame we couldn't have made more of it over the last few weeks. Well, hopefully things will change in the not too distant future and we'll, we'll get back to, I would imagine, quite um, a scurry of activity because everyone will be trying to pack in everything that they've not been able to do in the meantime. Uh, you're dead right. There'll be a lot of pent-up energy, I think, that, um, that gets used up um, mm. over, the, over the next few months once things get back to normal. And, and we will. It, it, you know, it's a tough time, but um, life carries on. And uh, I guess, as, as I've sort of written about to an extent in, um, in, 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 in the, the book, um, you know, challenges come, but you, you sort of get through them and get past them and eventually uh, settle into something like a normal a normal existence again and it forms our characters doesn't it it definitely does yeah i completely agree and it, you know it's it, it's how you you rise to challenges and how you overcome them that that adds to your yeah your, your life story and situation and your, your personality and things so it is exactly that yes how you mm. overcome the challenges that makes you uh, you know defines you i suppose Yes, well, thank you very much, Julian. That's been really entertaining, and I'm sure that the listeners will um, will thoroughly enjoy hearing from you. So if you want to learn more about what's been happening in the life of our popular Yorkshire vet, then I recommend that you buy his latest book, which is A Yorkshire Vet, The Next Chapter. Highly recommended by me. It can be purchased at all good bookshops and also online and it is available in audio format too. In the meantime, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss our next episode. This is Susan signing out from Inside Yorkshire.